Pelotero Pickle, episode 73. We do a full recap of ABCA, hit on a couple of Twitter topics, and will the MLB season start on time? Check it out. Pelotero Pickle, episode 73. It is January 18th. Finally doing our ABCA recap. I've been out. Missed last week due to COVID protocols. So I've been sleeping for a week. Chris, how are you doing? I'm lovely, Bobby. I'm just happy to have my co-host back, man. That's all. I'm just, you know. Just my too- voice is strong. My, my, I'm not lightheaded right now. Uh, my body temperature is not fluctuating severely every 10 minutes. <laughs> we got you things remember, going on. You remember the episode, you remember the episode of Friends when, uh, Phoebe has the sexy voice. That's what you remind me of right now, where she's doing, uh, she's she's got like a cold, and then she tries to keep her cold for an extended period of time so that she has her voice. So like, I, I'm digging it, man. Are you? Are you, do you mean to say that I don't have a sexy voice all the time? Is that? I mean, this is a monotone play with listen, the sexy voice. I'm sure there's somebody that thinks it is, but I mean, we're not going to go there. This is a PG show. Probably not many people. Did you hear what happened? You didn't. So you didn't get to listen to the last episode yet when we were talking to Troy, who, which, by the way, was awesome. Troy's the man. I missed the um, whole thing. At, at one point in the middle, it was we were about halfway through, and he uh, he just dropped a, like a little f bomb. And I think we have the e next to our show, right? We're explicit. If I yeah, to- we can swear. It so doesn't we, matter. So Troy said "fuck" right in the middle of it, and. He was like, oops. I, and I was like, no, 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 it's all good. I was like, you know what? I'll say it for you so that way you don't feel bad. And then I said, fuck. So I apologize to any, uh, you know, young ears that hear it. But sometimes. Tell you what. Tell you what. There was an Instagram post when we were in Chicago at the uh, K25. Yeah. And you were, you were letting it eat about the uh, pitchers being ahead. Yeah. You were dropping F-bombs and S-bombs and yeah. other bombs. I heard I forgot about the hot mic because uh, we were actually just we were talking about the guys we were with from you know the out front hitting guys that were down there with Casey Smith and uh, yeah and one of them sent it to me like see get him CC and I was like hot mic I was like don't let my mom hear this sorry mom I love you but tell you what there's did you see the story this isn't on our topic list but I think it's a good one the uh, did you see the story about the, the Massachusetts coach who got in trouble because he was like swearing at his players after a game? Did you see that story? I did. Yeah. And I was like, I, I tweeted, I, I wrote out multiple tweets to reply to it and I just didn't have the right thing to say to it. But I wanted to be like, this is baseball. The, the coach was yelling at kids for cursing at the other team and he was cursing like for effect talking about being embarrassed like oh you want to be you want to be adults and use this language basically like okay i'm coming with it and then it would turn out to be some dad who had applied for the coaching job and blah 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 like stupid stuff there's a time and a place for it there's like a old augie garrido quote uh thing where he's just laying into his players that like i got reminiscent when i heard that i was like yes go get them lay into them call them out call them their you know call their character into question, see how they respond. Then they ended up winning like the division went to like the state championship round, whatever. Uh, like it's great. I love it. Lay into your players, get yelled at. It's good for you. The funny part about that, right. Is we, I mean, we're, it, it's weird to describe this to people. My high school coach was uh, at Milford high school for the better part of 30 some odd years. Uh, Tradition of winning, historically competing for the Division One District Central Mass District Championship and State Championship every year, right? So we had a really good program. Um, a lot of guys moved on to play either high level Division One college baseball. Some got to the pros. We had really gritty teams in Milford. That's what we had to be to compete with the Central Mass teams, the St. Johns of the world, the Holy Names, the the St. Peter Marians, the private schools uh, in Worcester, and the funny thing was my coach, he, he motivated us through fear. And I was talking to somebody about that the other day. He cursed at us in front of our moms. Our moms used to sit right behind 
the the fence right where the dugout was and we didn't even have a dugout it was just a, a bench with a screen and you know the, the regular chain link fence and he if and it would just happen randomly in a game right ridiculous play and he, and he just started you hear it and f this f that like i heard i learned every curse word that i know from milford high school and there were some that we're not going to go there but i learned what they meant when i was a senior or junior in high school because of it and look it i think i think there's a there's a place for building an edge as an athlete right and it's where you learn to compete and you learn to to kind of understand that it's not all cushy when you're on the field and you have to have that to become successful. And I think that's true of anything. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to curse or you have to be loud or you have to whatever, but internally you have to have something that drives you differently. And, and sometimes that means get pissed off. Sometimes that means being angry and really learning how the emotions affect the way you, you go about your business. Yeah, uh, I think Gary V's made cursing more acceptable mainstream, which is interesting. There's some coach that swear all the time and it's just part of their normal language. It's not even at that point, it's not even cursing. Um, some coaches do it for effect and when they drop it, it it's, it's impactful, meaningful. And then uh, as long as it's not a personal attack, I feel like if you're, if you need to get a point across to a player, you sit down with them, you talk to them face to face, you did, you deal with it. But if it's a personal attack and you're just cursing and laying into a kid for you know, personal stuff, that's the wrong way to do it. But well, when you're addressing the team, I've always the, the the way it was always said to me is like in a group setting. If you're if I'm if I'm making a statement to the team, if you think I'm talking about you, then I'm talking about you. If the words are resonating, if you're taking it personal, then it's about you. Some players, as you know, half the team doesn't even need to hear it. Well, they need to say stuff beyond that, right? Like even you just made a point. I think most of the players that try to apply it to themselves and try to figure out whether it is them really probably have nothing to worry about where the ones that are, they're looking around the room and go, I wonder who he's talking about. Or, you know, those are the ones that, you know, where they, they need to be a little bit more honest with themselves and go, is he talking about me? And those are generally the ones. And let's full circle. There's a difference between cursing at somebody and cursing around somebody. It's the same thing. It's, they tell you, you can't, you can't tell an umpire he sucks. You can say he made call a sucked. You can say he made a shitty call, but don't don't attack the person, you know. I mean, Bull Durham. Yeah. Can we say <laughs> no? Can we say that on the podcast? We'll probably skip no, me that. No, it's, it, Bull Durham would have got canceled in twenty twenty. There's a lot of movies that would not I, I so I watched a few like early 2000s movies while I was COVIDed, like the, my most intense COVID stuff where I was sleeping a ton. <clears throat> I did a uh, couple Ryan Reynolds movies. I watched Road Trip, which is a oh. great movie. Didn't yeah. realize how quotable that movie is, by the way. Oh. Incredibly, right. like so many quotes from that movie. I need to watch it again. Patrick, I've never seen it. I could teach movie. Japanese to a monkey as long as I had something to relate it to. That's one of my favorites. I there are a lot of quotes from that movie. Uh, I watched the movie Just Friends. I did a couple of Ryan Reynolds. I tried to watch Van Wilder, but I couldn't find it anywhere for free. It wasn't about this. We got Netflix and YouTube TV. I'm not about to spend money to watch something right now. I have I have seven streaming services. I think like between the ones that we pay for and the ones that we have access to, there ain't no way I'm paying to watch anything. Exactly. And then you still, I kept, I got myself, I rented the James Bond movie, but I use my parents. Don't tell them I use my parents cable to do it on my computer. So yeah. sorry, dad, the four ninety nine charge. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a lot of movies. There's some R words in there. There's some F words in there. That's what baseball people have there. to do. They watch movies. Movies are part of baseball. But you can't say like you those scripts would not fly in twenty. What year is it? Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty. Is it twenty two? They literally don't even know. When you say what year is it instead of what day is it? Whatever year it is, it wouldn't fly. You'd get canceled immediately. Uh, let's get into ABCA. It was uh, a weird vibe this year. I think this was my third ABCA ever. I know you went to one. A while back, because you tell that David Price story. I um, went to 
I went to ABCA two, no, 1997 with my dad. 1996. It's a high school, high school freshman you went? Uh, I was a middle school when I went. So I think I was in eighth grade when I went when my dad was a high school baseball coach. Yeah, that would have been uh, eighth grade. Yeah. And then 2010 and 2011, I went to back-to-back ABCAs. Because you were in the system when I, when, when I registered. You were in there for uh, Anna Maria. Yeah. When uh, Now you're in there as Pelotero. And that was that was my favorite uh, my favorite quote. And little did I know that I'd be teammates with David Price five years later. But um, Derek Johnson, who we know well now too, DJ's up there, and he was at Vanderbilt at the time. And, and David had obviously become David Price, major league superstar. And he was talking about all all the things that made David Price great: his work ethic, his attitude, his character, uh, being the first guy to show up, be the last guy to leave. Uh, the way he treated his teammates, the way he talked to his coaches, all of it. Right. And I was sitting with Treza and I turned to him and I go, he forgot the most important thing, Trez. And he goes, what's that? I go, he's a lefty that throws a hundred. I said, if he's a righty that throws 79, like no, nobody cares about that other stuff. Uh, and it's good. It's obviously good to have, but I, I, I was just sitting there and I thought it was funny. And then I told, I told both of them a story later on and, I got a chuckle out of both of them, which is good. So. Yeah. Weird vibe this year. I felt like, uh, especially compared to Nashville, Nashville, <clears throat> the Gaylord Opry there. That's what it's called, Gaylord Opry? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. There's, there's the Gaylord in Dallas, too. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Gaylord Opry, it's got, like, the venue itself is really cool, where it's got this it's whole, like. It's its own what, city. What's it, what's it called? The, the uh, Where it's got the whole. Uh, like indoor plants and river. Like the river. What's it called? An arboreum or something like that. Yeah, it's something like that. Um, it feels like the, the San Antonio Riverwalk where it's got the streams and there's, there's so many places to like sit down, like just pull off and sit down. Um, just a really cool like vibe, I guess. Or like it's more casual. Chicago is like just a big room, just a big box with a bunch of just stuff taped off and roped off. Um if you exited the main floor, there was like no place to sit down. You had to like walk, go sit at these very like, everything was square, all these square tables, square everything. So it was very different. Um, still good, always good to get together with, uh, with the boys, with the guys. Um, Meeting of the minds, man. That's what ABCA turns into. Yeah, you never, you never know what's gonna happen. You just go there and you, I mean, for us business-wise, we go in with a plan of, people we want to talk to. I would scope out the floor. Uh, the mask was helpful this year because I could just go do the perimeter and nobody knew who I was. And the funny thing was you go like, you go in with a mask, you'd be talking, like walking around with the mask all the time and you talk to somebody, you pull it down so you could actually have a conversation. Uh, we had our event at K25, which I thought was awesome. Um, had some really good coaches there between uh, we we did a demonstration of, of Pelotero on hit tracks. We had Casey Smith do a full rundown. Um, we had Joey Cunha do a, a really extensive breakdown of his farm boards on like zero sleep, which was impressive. Um, I talked about the Synapse CCR and what's that strap? Did uh, did Ferbs talk like formally? He just emceed it, right? He's, I mean, he, 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 was, he, to yeah, he was involved, but it was a cool event because the, um, the presentations at ABCA, you get the coach up on the stage in the baseball uniform and it's like, you know, everything's at an arm's length and we really wanted to be more interactive and be able to ask questions and just be closer and have more realistic demonstrations. So it was fun. I'm glad we did it. Um, K25 is an awesome facility. Thanks again to Chris. I know we've been shouting him out as much as we can, but um, really awesome facility that they have out there. And I'm going to vote for no more Chicago, though, because it was cold. It was frigid. It was windy, which it's the windy city is not because of the wind. It's about politics. Google that on the way out there, which not many people know, I don't think. But it was windy. It was a very windy city. And it was freezing. It was, I mean, I think Friday was two degrees with wind chill was like negative 17. No. That wasn't it. 
unnecessary. Yeah, we don't need to even, do that. So even in Tennessee, it usually it, it, it's cold, but it's not it's winter. It's cold. just not that cold. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about uh, Dallas, Vegas, and whatever, and Tennessee. I think again in the next three years. They need to do. There's a huge new venue in Round Rock, like right down the road, like massive, massive. Yeah, that in loop. Let's go, ABCA. We'll talk. I know people. I know people in the Hall of Fame and board of directors and stuff. We'll make some yeah. calls. Yeah, right down the street is good. Easy for you, no travel. Yeah, it'd be awesome. <clears throat> um, cool products and interactions. There were a couple that I wanted to shout out. First one was. Uh, couple kids the company was called mound power at mound power there are two kids that started i believe they're sophomores currently at university of notre dame literally building their own force plates with software they're building their own literally building force plates like a little it's like just back foot only they're trying to uh democratize and commoditize force plate stuff thought it was awesome to see two kids that are literally in college building force plates uh, it was really, really cool. Had a good interaction with them. Had another one with the company called Hot Route Analytics. I got the flyer right here. Red 7. Hot Red Route. Seven. Uh, <clears throat> where they're doing predictive. I want to get it right. Hold on. It's called Hot Route Next Pitch. So it's a prediction app that if you if you plug in the sequences of the pitcher, it'll start to predict what pitch they're throwing, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, there was another one, I think called tap, which was a bunch of college kids. Um, I always try to walk the perimeter, see what, what the fringe ones are. I'm biased to the, the usual suspects. It tracks a one. Yeah. A revolution throwing our guys at revolution throwing, uh, the, the, the rev and what are they calling it now? Well, it was the perfect throw. I'm not allowed to say that. I'll get arrested. Um, but they, uh, the throwing whisperer, uh, Bruce Leroy, as uh, Ferbs refers to him as Virgil Vasquez and Alex Trezza. Um, now, definitely some some cool things. Did, did I tell you a story about the, the guy with the rules book, the umpire guy? No. This was hysterical. Um and Patrick, you Patrick wasn't with us, I don't think, at the time. But uh, we were waiting for Liam Hendricks, and shout out Liam, who should be on the show today, but he's not. Um, for took us out to you know nice dinner, um, a fine steak dinner, and never called us again. <laughs> that was good. No, he'll call us again, but yeah. Worked. And uh, so we went out. You know, we're, I was waiting for him in the in the back of the convention hall, and uh, this older gentleman came up to us and he was mid literally mid bite of a sandwich just full send on eating his burger mask down spitting pieces of cheeseburger at mike don francesco ceo of hit tracks and mike mike's he's telling us about this app that he built it's the rules of baseball in an app basically they're explained better. I, he said he just turns them into human words instead of big words. I, I don't. It's basically the rule book, but he's got big league rules, collegiate, amateur, whatever. It's, and he was so passionate about it, and he was he's chirping away. And there's I mean, it's 2021-22. You're gonna want to like not spit your food at people. And at one point, Mike had to say to him like. Hey, take a break for a second. I don't. I, I'm gonna need you to finish that bite of food before you keep going. And and he trapped us in conversation for a good bit of time. Very passionate about the rules of baseball. And he told me that he's got a lot of umpires that are all over it. I said, Well, I, I'm sorry to tell you this. I don't really care about the rules of baseball because I, I just want to hit homers. So I felt bad, but that was a story about the product. There were a lot of teas. A lot of. Uh... A lot of ba- a lot of teas. Yep. Um, some interesting ones. I so there there was one called uh, Magic Tea, and I, I had a good interaction with them. They just emailed me today, actually. Um, where they they're using like a like suction and a it's like the it's like the backspin tea where you the, it holds the ball from above using suction, and there's like a pump. And I was asking all these like engineering questions because I was intrigued. Yeah, like a coiled 
cable for the air to like something like, how do you raise a lower and it was, it was just funny um but there's like there's a lot of tees there's just a lot like there was one that like swiveled and i was like oh maybe we could use this with our t assessment because you just like swivel it and it's there and you swivel it and it's there but there's just like there's tees a lot of, there's a lot of mounds too <clears throat> tons of mounds tons so, of mounds this year how much can you differentiate a mound a turf mound you know what i i would i thought about that at the event and then Patrick screwed up. He left the uh, the trade show floor when it closed. The, the key is to just not leave until literally somebody walks you out because then you can just hang. So we were hanging out with hit tracks um, while they were breaking down the booth. But some guy was wheeling a mound on like multiple dollies. I, I, I would hate to have to travel. With those. I'm sure you just freight ship it, but what a mess. Those things are massive. Still gross. Just like the whole like logistics of shipping and everything for big items is so painful. We had uh, so we had the Dynaspeed and then we had two hit tracks units, and I went out three hit tracks units. So two hit tracks units in the con- I found a, the container from a guitar center to fit. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I had to measure the dimensions and I had the tripods. It was it was an adventure but between those two units flying with. Uh, Southwest has the best rates for oversized luggage in case anybody needs to know that just $75 per unit or per, uh, per item. And, uh, yeah, like 94 pounds for one and 96 pounds for the other. And I was, it was a mess getting, getting through uh luggage check-in was a disaster. At least but, I had a big car. Yeah. It was a good. Good thing. You have a big car. Um, I had to drive yeah, tons of mountains for that. But I, who had the hardest time? I drove. I enjoyed it thoroughly until the 18-wheeler yeah. almost ripped me off the road. You the- like you enjoy your your drives because you just you bumper you bumper lane it down the highway. Uh, I talk to people. I don't bumper lane it. I talk to people on the phone. I catch did, up on correspondence, verbal correspondence. Did you have any like really favorite products that you saw that were different? Um, it's hard for me to even engage in those things because I, I, I liked when we talked to the kids that are, are tracking practice performance. Um, I don't remember the name of it. That was the tap one. I think I yeah. forget the name. The, the one thing I'll say about, about them is the problem was they were showing all game video of Derek Jeter as their promo video. And I didn't understand that. Yeah. That one was called tap T A P P. Yeah. But why was your, why was your real? Derek Jeter plays. Yeah, I I get what they're doing. Um, I think there's other products in the market that are doing similar things. It's kind of, in in some ways it's a good thing that other people are doing similar things than you. Where it's you know you're you're identified. You've identified a problem that other people have identified. So that's a good thing. It's just a matter of if your product's better, can you win? Uh, win VR is getting cooler. Did you try it? No. You did you ever try it? Yeah, when we have the big rig, the mount. Yeah. Seems yeah, wind's cool, and they're they're just they're doing a good job. It's uh, I think COVID's been great for them because it's a, a training product that you can use anywhere. And just the uh, Chris, the uh, CEO, was telling me a horror story about Facebook just pulled Oculus off the shelves with no warning for like six weeks. Just didn't tell them. No notification, just took it off the shelves. Their entire product relies on Oculus. Uh, <laughs> pretty brutal situation. You, you build your entire business, you have like 50 employees, and then Facebook's just like, ah, we're not going to sell this for six weeks. Uh, shifting gears. Um, Still I'm, ABCA or shifting? No, no, the pre-ABCA. I really liked everything that we did on the way there. I love. Yeah, we should probably talk about that. Yeah. I, we, I mean, we did those. We went to uh, Wadsworth, after, Ohio. Yeah, Wadsworth, which it's Hit 24. I you say Cleveland. Hit 24. Super cool conversations, interactions with those guys. Yeah, so Wadsworth, it's, uh, let's say, like 30 minutes south of Cleveland-ish. And we thought we were driving into, like, farmland into a neighborhood. And Well, they're one of the turns that we took, we went into a neighborhood. We're like, what is happening? We were in we're literally in a residential neighborhood. I couldn't believe how cool their, their, their spots were, though. Like, 
the, my biggest takeaway from everything that we're doing with Peltero and talking to all these different facility owners, there's so many cool facilities in this country. There's so many people working hard to help athletes. Yeah. Like all over the place. It's and awesome. Same thing in, you know, same thing in Dayton. Um, yep. So we went to Dayton Classics, the uh, MVP. They get the, the Dayton Classics is the name of their facility. And then we went to uh, Moeller High School. Moeller's getting a brand new. Do you, have you do follow them on, on Twitter? They're getting a brand new field. Beautiful field. Yeah. I, I mean, they showed me the renderings. Um, yeah. I had no idea that they were that much of a powerhouse, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Moeller's legit. They, uh, could you imagine? So rewind real quick. So they have like a big field house which i mean we're coming from the northeast smaller budget schools that field house was on par with a lot of like d3 yeah to even vermont i mean vermont we had a track the basketball courts is like the rec center and we would drop the nets they had like just a giant how big was that room like 150 by 150 yeah you could run a full infield in there no problem huge multi-purpose field but then you walked upstairs and there were Four batting cages, I think. Yeah. One for one hit track. So we, we set it up so we could do the T stuff. Another cage. Four, four, four. And cage. then they, those kids can go up there and just like they're, yeah, they, they get a, if I had a batting cage, I could have gone to during like study hall. Wow. Yeah. That's, but that's what it should be. That's what it should be to be able to go up there and like just get your work and go get a lift in. Go. Um, Side awesome. note, very similar, like I know Moeller's a private school, uh, similar to Phillips Andover, right? Up here, the only thing I've ever seen like that is Phillips Andover. And my favorite line now is, man, I really wish I went to college at Phillips Andover instead of Assumption. <laughs> they have better facilities than we did at Assumption. Like insane, insane facilities. They probably have like a hundred times more money too. Yeah, and I don't know if I talked about this on the show already, but uh, I mean, KG probably did when he was on. Yeah, they they filmed most of the social network. At we, I think we talked about that on the show with him, which is epic. Great movie. I should have watched that movie. Maybe I'll watch that tonight if I can't sleep. But really good interactions, good good energy. ABCA always creates good energy and momentum and leads you into the new year and gets you excited about springtime. And I would just have to wait. I have to wait like another two and a half months for springtime. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's 70 degrees here. 72. Sorry, dropped. Uh, any uh, any interactions or anybody that you saw that you didn't expect to see or were happy to see? Favorite interaction? Uh, I mean, uh, Jim Jim Rakan, um, Yep. Uh, former. Uh, CJ Gilman for me. I, I haven't been interacting with him. He's the new yeah. coordinator. Jimmy coordinator used to be in Cleveland when I was there. Uh, during one of our demos, during one of our hit tracks demos, we had three major league hitting coordinators watching at the same time, which was pretty cool. Enneagram, yeah. All friends, all friends of the program, but friends, still cool. Friends of the program. I watched Blue Chips uh, about a week ago, so I think of friends of the program. I think of Blue Chips. Shaq um, was it? That was the one with Shaq. Yeah, and Anthony Hardaway. Um, interactions. Who else? Uh, got to meet Justin Stone for the first time. Um, uh, I met the guys know. with Ascent Athletics. They're doing huge things with their facility rebuild. Really got to hang out with Casey Smith, which I thought was awesome. Uh, very like-minded individual, understands hitting at a, at yeah. a level. And, and of the guys that he had with him. Just the whole the, the whole upfront hitting crew. They're doing a really good job. Um, Always good to hang with Ferbs. He's just yeah. fake life in Ferber the best ways. He's a cartoon, but he's the most authentic, genuine, awesome person. I think I think the highlight for me might have been dinner with Liam. He, his attitude was just his whole approach to life is hysterical to me. He's very engaging. He when he, uh, but I don't think he means to be at all. Yeah. It's just when uh, Ferbs was asking about his arm care routine, he's like, "I throw, I just throw." Like he doesn't do anything. He, he does like a couple weighted ball throws and just throws. That's it. Yeah. Hilarious. And then he was. The whole dinner, he was just trying to remember everybody that took him deep. Yeah. For He's me, the, like he tells anti-Callbell stories. Yeah. You tell your home stories. He tells this home yeah. giving up story. Getting to see Liam. I got to see Liam for the first time in about a year and a half, two years. I, it's hard for me to even picture Liam as the best closer in the big leagues. 
because he was just my friend, right? He was my teammate in Minnesota and Toronto. And he, I, and he was a starter, right? He started, he started his career as a starter for the Twins. And he was up and down. Wasn't very good as a starter. He was only throwing probably 89 at the time, maybe 90, touch 91. But it, I remember the first time I ever played with him, and he's, he's such a good person. But you used to have the shortest stride of all time. If you go back and watch the 2013 video of Liam Hendricks, literally, like, he would stride straight down. And I go – one day I asked him when we were in AAA together, I said, can you explain to me why you take such a short stride? And, you know, in his OC accent, he's – I don't know, mate. And he said, maybe try further. And then, <laughs> you know, uh, two years later, he's pitched with the Blue Jays and he's up to 96 and, you know, full stride. And, and he talked about his, his – long toss routines and stuff like that um, it's good to see lee I'm... he's like i throw i eat whatever i want and then i sit down <laughs> and then i get really really excited when i come off the mound for as much as he's like oh, i don't like i don't do anything he's doing the codify stuff he's he pays attention to the right things yeah which is good he's yeah. smart I enjoyed Tully it. was in the house latroy hawkins was in the house i didn't get to see Tolly in person at all um, I, you were hustling. The well, the the I think when so much of that stuff happened, I was doing the podcast with Joey, yeah. so I just didn't. I missed like a three-hour window, not three-hour, two-hour window of just a lot of social stuff. The whole, uh, I think the event was shortened almost too much. Um, yeah, it was felt quick. Trade show floor was was short for the two full like Friday. It was like most of the day Friday, and then they closed at what one on Saturday. It was quick. It was way too quick. Believe it. Um, yeah, but I think it's because the volume of people that kind of pulled out at the last second. But all in all, good trip. Um, good trick. Good trip. We'll be back. It's like a must-go event. It, there, there was lower numbers with COVID, understandably. Uh, it is where it is. Make the yep. most of it. Move on. Yeah. Anything else? Is no. that recap? That's our that's our AB our, our ABCA recap. Nice job. Yeah. Uh, recently on Twitter, somebody had uh, referenced a, an old quote. I did a podcast with Cressy a long time ago, but. It, Eric could ask me for like a hot take and I was like, hot take, you can't teach hitting, which isn't really that much of a hot take because it's just like you can't teach hitting. So my, I replied to the tweet saying it's like leading a horse to water. You can create scenarios that will promote hitting. You can talk about it. You can create environments. You can, if the kid doesn't care if he rolls over or if he doesn't care that he misses under, it's, it's got to be inside you. It's got to be who, part of your being that you're going to be a hitter. Um, there's elements of compete. There's elements of execution in moments that matter. There's, there's so many things that are going into actually being a good hitter that have nothing to do with mechanics, have nothing to do with cage swings, whatever. Like you got to be able to grind in tough moments and you got to be ex- able to execute. And where does that come from? It's, it's in here. It's in your heart. It's you can't teach it. You can help promote it, but you you're not gonna. You can't give it to somebody. So here's here's the the most simple way I can analogize it. Hitting is art. Hitting is not math. You can teach math. You can explain to somebody how to do two plus two equals four, and you can explain division and long division and multiplication and the times tables. You can't explain how Pablo Picasso painted a picture. You can't teach anybody to do a a Monet or a Jackson Pollock. You have to teach. We're trying to teach a creative brain, right? We're trying to teach individuals how to be free thinkers and how to paint their own pictures. And that's what the challenge is. And I think that the, the place where so many people are missing the mark in today's world, where they're trying to teach the swing, there is no the swing. There isn't one. It's not 
swinging is a tool that allows for mechanical advantages, right? We can have certain advantages by doing certain things and certain advantages doing other things. And those advantages can be gained and taken away based on how we're attacked as hitters and how we get exposed by pitchers because we're, we're in response mode. We're in, we're in defense mode on offense. And since it's art, there's always a different thought. There's a different desired result. I, any hitter can tell you, yeah, I want to hit a homer every at bat. But a lot of times the game doesn't call for a homer. And then when you try to hit a homer and you don't, it, it, it ends up being bad. So the, the, the art of the single through the opposite field hole in the infield, the art of the flare over the second baseman's head, uh, the art of taking a breaking ball that you get fooled on and flipping it somewhere, those are artistic. They're, they're creative moments where we have to respond to what is put in front of us. So when you say you can't teach it, I completely agree with you. Now, at the same time, we can educate, right? That's our only objective as hitting consiglieres or instructors or coaches or whatever you want to call them is to educate because I can educate you as to what is good versus what is bad. And then you got to go paint your own picture. I like that. And there's, there are artists that can clone Monet's and Manet's and there's a, my, my senior of high school, I took a, our French class, we had like exceeded French force. We did French five. There was a, a French artist called Robert Delacroix. And that was my favorite French name ever. So you can clone people. So like Avisayo Garcia kind of cloned Miguel Cabrera. But at some point it has to be your own. There's got to be this authentic nature to it that Carlton Salters always uses the word authentic. I think it's important. Um, but I like, the, I like what you're saying. I like the... Uh, the, the whole line of thinking that it's art, <clears throat> it's not paint by numbers. You can, you can start with paint by numbers and you can learn frameworks off of that, but you can't, you can't just say, if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to be good. There's no magic pill. There's no formula. There's no algorithm. It's not. Use, use the word, uh, use the word creative, which I liked. I've never, I never thought about, like flaring a single to right as being creative. But I think it is. I think it's like you, you need to understand what you're trying to achieve and you need to be just like this adaptive, responsive, just there's, there's an element of execution to it that matters. And uh, I like the word creative. I like that. Yeah, I, I'm actually... I'm actually tweeting that at the bottom of that tweet right now to see if it gets any response. Well, you're going to get a little bump because I just retweeted you. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Um, yeah, that's good. We should like, uh, we should, we should do more on that topic, the creative aspect of hitting. Well, I mean, the, the thing about it is, Everything we're trying to do, and it's so clear to me now, right? When I was young, I, I just thought of hitting as result-based. It was success-driven. I looked at failure, and, and it goes directly into the next tweet, which is kind of what we talked about or what I said. I wish somebody had explained to me when I was 16 years old that failure was only getting me closer to my my success, right? Like that every time I failed, it was getting me one step closer to success. And it, it all ties in together because we drive so much. And, and Latroy talked about this last week. We drive so much of our thought process about, about what the outcome is. And we don't really appreciate the, the outcomes that are the ones that really define us, right? The, the, the ones that are hard, the, the outcomes that define you are the ones that are, that are hard to, to create. Anybody can hit when they're on time to a fastball that's down the middle of the plate, right? Like anybody can do it for the most part. If they're on time and their movements are crisp and they have good hand-eye coordination, they can hit. Is that fair? Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. 
But that's not what hitting is. Hitting is about everything else. And the creativity needed to be able to explore the, the different possibilities of, of losing the battle but winning the war, right? Like you lose the battle, you get to O2, you fall off the pitch that you should have hit, you relate to it, you know, battle back into account, uh, you get to 2-2, fall some stuff off, you're losing the battle every time, and then all of a sudden you figure out a way to get a hit, you won the war, especially if it, gosh, God forbid if it, it moves a runner over or scores a run or puts your team ahead or any of those things, like in a late close situation, the that's where the creativity has to come in. And, and I think it, it stems from, again, not liking being out. If you, if you're accepting of the ground ball, the rollover to shortstop and you're just like, ah, whatever, I'll, I'll get it next time. And don't get me wrong. There's a time and place for that because when we get too critical of ourselves, we can stress over things and it can linger and it can beat us up. But the ability to use the creative brain and, and, being artistic and Tony Gwynn was an artist, right? Wade Boggs was an artist. These guys, they, 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 they took what the game gave them all the time, every day. And that's why they were better than everybody else. I figured out what movie I'm going to watch tonight. You ever see a river runs through it? I have. When Brad Pitt, when these, they're talking about like finding your authentic uh, technique for the fly fishing. I'm going to watch okay. that tonight. It's on Netflix, so that's good. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> it's good. I think the same thing can be said about coaching, too, where the coaching becomes an art, where you have to you have to find ways to connect and find ways to make things happen. And it's not always – you can't follow the same formula. We talked to uh, Sheets, Jeremy Sheetinger, um, George Gwinnett, head coach, Twitter famous, whatever. He's the man. We were talking about the run that they made. They won the national championship and how like every, like every winning team has to find their spark. They have to find their story and their motivation and their, their reasons. You can't replicate it. I remember the, when you came back from the 2015 season with the blue Jays, yep. everything was the cheese. Like you can't take that to 2016. You can't, everything can't be the cheese next year. It, you, you can like start with that, but it's it's not going to maintain itself the same way. So you have to find. Usually, there's conflict. Usually, there's something that happens that kind of galvanizes the team, but uh, you can't really plan it. <clears throat> kind of has to happen. So it's good. Next topic. You had the tweet about. Uh, I'll just read it. I wish someone had explained to me. When I was young, that failing at something just meant I was one step closer to succeeding. So it's popping off a little bit for you, getting a bunch of attention. That was so foundational, simple. By the way, my body temperature, I'm like full sweat right now, but I'm freezing and like feel like I'm going to black out. So keep going. I, I loved when just you put that out there. Five minutes ago when I was talking and I saw you kind of give the face. Yeah, well, I, well, I closed my eyes, put my head down because I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah, well, we, I mean, we can wrap the show up kind of early. It'd be nice of us to do a shorter show one time. Um, Keep going. We're good. But I'm good. the failure thing, it's funny because it, this goes into the, the artistic side of baseball. And I, I, the funny thing is I like drawing. I'm a really good drawer, but I was never, I never considered myself an artist. I, math is my, my favorite subject. Um, and I love logic and reason that comes to an answer and a conclusion. And I, I really believe in the fact that the only way we can become successful is if we, if we screw it up, if we mess things up, then that's the only way we can be good. Like you have to learn to mess up to be good period. And I just tweeted it, man. And it got a lot of attention and I didn't know why, but the things that become obvious to us are maybe not so obvious to others and hopefully they can make an impact on the game in some small capacity. I got a, a text message over the weekend about somebody asking me to contribute to a, an infield book, which I love because um, I love infield stuff. I just don't talk about it as much. <coughs> um, 
and they, he was like, oh, I want it to be about mental stuff and about um, not just like the technique of it. And your tweet made me think about it because it was like the, one of my biggest things I would tell myself as an infielder was if I was going to make an error, make an aggressive error, like don't sit back, don't let the ball play me. If I'm going to make a mistake, like it's going to be aggressive. I'm going to be trying to make a play on the ball. It's like things like that, where it's like, you need to, you need to go out and do it, go see what works, go see what doesn't work. And don't beat yourself up when you make a mistake. Cause everybody, first of all, everybody makes mistakes. Second of all, nobody really cares. Like everybody's trying to win. Everybody. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You build it up to be this thing in your head and it's just not a big deal. Nobody cares. It's okay. Go make mistakes. If you make mistakes out of aggression, nobody will ever question your, your effort, intent, and energy, which I think, I think young kids get just very, very caught up. I I used to, I, I used to stress on results and think I had to be hitting 300 all the time. And, it was ridiculous. I, I caused myself so much unnecessary anxiety and I just, I want to paint the picture more clearly for younger people. It's, it's okay. Just play, just play the game. You're all right. Yeah. It's good. It's important to hear though. Post show. Uh, MLB going to start on time? Nah. No, no. Here's the, here's the real answer. Here's the real answer. Spring training is not going to start on time. I'm going to tell you that right now. The question becomes, how much spring training do they cut out? Because I think they need three weeks to get ready, right? They're going to need three weeks. Yeah, but everybody's yeah. ready. They just, they're not. You still need three weeks of at-bats. Pitchers need to face hitters in-game. Yeah. It's like you get a how long is normal spring training is like six weeks? Six. Pitchers and catchers is six weeks. And position players is five and a half. So you need three. If you can get it done before three weeks left the spring training, then the season won't get delayed. Uh, the question becomes, can they do that? I don't know the answer to that. If I get insider information, I'll let you know. But I don't care about that right now. You know what I care about? I'm ready. My guy saw me ready. Oh, he's just doing it again. The divisions, all the games are brutal. Dude, no. The Dallas game was, I mean, I should say the 49ers game. The game was not Dallas, great Dallas just, like Dallas is the least organized, really good football team I've ever seen. Like, I feel like they should beat everybody, and they lose often. I mean, they had a good uh, year. So uh, the thing I would used to always tell my teams when I coached them, good teams find a way to win, bad teams find a way to lose. Man, oh, man. Doing a QB sneak with zero time left and then not spiking the ball. Oh, my goodness. That's pretty brutal. Like, that's finding a way to lose. Brett got handed the ball to the center, and then the uh, the, the umpire ran him over. And that, But you can't let the game end on that play. You did you can't. see the – did you see earlier in the game? I, I didn't watch the game straight through. Um, there was a TikTok or tweet or something that I saw that earlier in the game, there was a situation where the ref didn't allow them to snap the ball. They had to delay a game because of it. Yeah. And the whole offensive line was like freaking out the ref. So there was like a bunch of built up stuff regarding the uh, placement of the ball. And I mean, you just can't lose. <laughs> just throw a pass. <laughs> Don't run it down the middle for 12 yards when it doesn't matter. The other, the other decent game was Bengals Raiders, but who cares? Sorry to Cincinnati people. We were just there and, Sorry to. It was like like that was that was the game I cared about the least. I I love. I'm starting to like Joe Burrow a significant amount. Yeah, I was gonna say Joe 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 Burrow is good. The um. The fans there are very passionate, and I'm happy for them. Yeah. My my cousin's husband. Yeah, you're a Cincinnati and whatever. My Don't cousin's be. husband has a shirt from like 1991 that he was wearing. It was the last year they won a playoff game and they were so happy. So I'm happy for them. That's good. Joe Burrow's already predict you Joe Burrow's second year in the league. He had a, his knee blown up last year. And he's like, I thought we were going to win a playoff game sooner. Did you see that quote? He's, he's like, I'm surprised it took this long. He's a stud bro. I, I it's like just a funny lot. quote. I, I was texting, uh, I was texting one of my buddies, um, Dabs, Ryan Davenport, shout out. I said, Hey man, how much you think, it sucks to be Jalen Hurts right now, who's looking across the field going, man, that old dude is embarrassing me right now, and I'm so much better athlete than he is. Just embarrassing him. I know, I know the Brady is. Like, 
But dude, Tommy is nice, bro. Tommy, Tommy can play quarterback in the NFL when he's fifty, kid. I'm telling you. Yeah, the games were blah. They weren't very entertaining. Uh, this weekend should be much more exciting. I, I hope so. I, I'm. I want the buck. I want to see Bucks Packers because I want to see Bucks Packers. Um, because if Tommy goes to Green Bay and does it again, dude, what are people going to say now? I don't. I, I honestly, they're going to have a hard time winning in Green Bay. But I will say this: the defense was immaculate. Tampa's defense is coming back to form, which they need to be to win. Uh, they're going to get playoff Lenny back. They'll have a challenge with the Rams. I'm not saying that's going to be easy, but uh, it seemed like the Rams were so fast and the Cardinals were so slow yeah. last night. And the Cardinals. Kyler Murray had a tough game. He Cardinals was had a panic mode. Start and then they weren't good after that. They were just really bad the second half. I can't remember a time seeing a quarterback in panic mode that hard. They were undefeated going into week 10 or week nine. The his underhand pass that was intercepted at the two for a pick six, he was panic mode. He was like, there was one where like he rolled out to the right and just sizzle it by the guy's head from like two yards away. The pass got boat raced, boat raced. That's the first time I've ever seen a team score on every possession. Yeah, Um, the the games in the east just didn't. Yeah, hopefully they're better this weekend. The AFC games, they weren't it. I, I didn't I didn't Kansas City I thought it, it was 14-7 and then I looked up it was 42 to nothing or whatever Pittsburgh lost points that's how bad they were playing um yeah they yeah. had no chance yeah the AFC games were let's hope for uh let's hope for a good weekend bunch of close games high drama yeah let's go and Tommy, my heart rate, my heart rate doesn't get up and close. Tommy win it again. Get Tommy win it again. He can. It'd be cool. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah everybody would freak out if that happened. All right. You're going to count the guy out, man. Anything else? No. Go, Bucks. We left out one major story from ABCA. We'll leave it out. Leave, leave like a lot we'll of just, We'll just tease it for Bring nothing. It next week. No, 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 no. <laughs> We gotta get him on a podcast. Um, we gotta get him on. We, we're we're playing on Zoom anyway. Give him a chance. Producer Patrick is so mad right now. Love it. Yeah. Uh, That's for its own moment in time. There's some redemption to be had first. All right, take us out. Patrick's telling us we're lagging. Hey, Tommy Brady says pickle out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>